Welcome to the One Away Show, presented by BW Missions. I am Brian Wish, and I am your host, and thanks so much for being here. On this show, I sit down with compelling entrepreneurs, authors, and rising leaders to talk through their most transformative relationships, experiences, and epiphanies. Curated with entrepreneurial leaders in mind, we'll dig into these finite moments in people's lives and understand how they helped set their path forward. Steve Foran has a dream, one billion happier people. Steve is the founder of Gratitude at Work, a happiness company he created in 2006. He works with human resource professionals, directors, managers, and CEOs, shifting corporate cultures by helping teams bring more gratitude to work each day. Steve recognizes that people who are happier at work are more engaged, achievement-oriented, and resilient. Their happiness improves output while contributing to a self-sustaining, grateful culture in your organization that produces ripple effects in the community and at home. All the research points points to one simple fact. Your people need more. Steve delivers this through a grateful introduction, a fundamental look at the science behind the emerging field of gratitude and how it impacts an organization's culture. More importantly, Steve provides clients and their teams with post-event tools that begin working on each individual's gratitude practice. Steve is also the author of the award-winning 2019 book, Surviving to Thriving, The 10 Laws of Grateful Leadership. He is also the inaugural winner of Canada's CEO Trusted Advisor Awards Program, as well as the 2017 winner of the CSPTM, the highest earned designation in professional speaking. Steve, welcome to the One Away Show. Brian, I am delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You have such a calming, soothing presence. So uh, I, I feel like this is going to go really, really nicely uh, or swimmingly, <laughs> one would say. Yeah. So kick us off, Steve. Uh, what's the one away moment that you want to share with us today? Uh, 1995. I'm a street corner, Halifax, Nova Scotia. That's my hometown, Brian. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, and I, I'm, I'm just waiting at a traffic light. Uh, to cross the street and this guy approaches me you got any money money you want my money you know what i did to get this money i went to school i studied i sacrificed i had to take a student loan out to go to college i and and, and sacrificed my time i didn't earn you know time. i didn't earn an income when that was going on and and then I went out and I found a job and I, I got rejected over and over and over again. And then I get the job. I've taken time away from my wife and my kids so that I can earn income so that I can decide what I want to do with it. So how about this? If you want some money, why don't you do something like that? And Brian, and for you watching, listening, I didn't say that out loud, but that's what was going on in my head. Mm. And at the time, I didn't know that was my seminal moment, Brian. It was about six years later when I came to the realization that my life was handed to me on a silver platter. That's when I realized that was my seminal moment. When that person came up to you and said, hey, can I have some money? Your first reaction was, let me think about my own experience. And what I had to go through to accumulate the ability to pay for the things in my life without the 
taking maybe a walk in his shoes or their shoes. What just on a personal level, what did that trigger? I mean, it triggered obviously a sharp reaction in you, but I'm, when you kind of look back prior to that or growing up or high school and college, I mean, was money something that was abundant to you or was it something that you had to see your parents maybe scrape by to help you with your upbringing? I'm just curious kind of what your situation as a kid. Yeah. Like in that moment in 1995, it was, I would describe myself as, I went into survival mode, right? It's as if the saber-toothed tigers were out there because, you know, right back into the uh, the ancient brain is, to, you know, the reptilian brain takes over and responds to them. Um, you know, we were middle-class family. It didn't feel like we did without. It wasn't like we were abundant, but, you know, it... I think we had privilege. But what, what I think for me is I'm the oldest of five and I had a very, and, and still do to a certain degree, um, an, you know, an internal locus of control. If, if you want something to bring about in your life, it's up to you. I believed in the idea of the self-made man, woman, person, and responsibility was is it still is one of my core values. This I call it responsibility as a value that you know we have to be responsible for our actions and the outcomes and the things in our life. And on that day, responsibility trumped compassion. And I didn't give him any money that day either. Yeah. <laughs> right? It trumped compassion. And so I, I think. It, it was driven out of this sense of, you know, this importance and this belief that I held about you are completely independent and your success, my success was independent of any other human being on the planet. Yeah, for sure. And I can see why you reacted so uh, just the way you did, um, because you did work for every penny, you know, back to what you said and maybe not growing up in a upper middle class or a wealthy background where maybe the, the reaction wouldn't have been as emotionally charged. Uh, and the fact that you did react the way you did, you know, it shows like, you know, there, there was something more because of everything you worked for. So, you know, what I think so interesting about this is you said that was your one way moment, but you didn't realize it until after the fact yes so what made you like wake up you know you say seven years later is that right you you probably, probably seven years later it was this gradual it wasn't uh i i didn't it, it just every everything in life i believe happens for a reason and sometimes when it's in the midst of happening you're not quite sure what that reason is and and sometimes we resist things that are, are coming to us. But when you look back, it makes a lot of sense. And so I've, I've been asking myself questions and, and the narratives that go on in our brain, right? The stories that we tell ourselves, all that are going all the time, um, 
one of the, is that story of Steve, you're this self-made person, you got to do this. And, and I'm looking at my kids who at that time in, uh, they were, I don't know, 13, 14, 15, their first jobs were in a neighborhood coffee shop. And after four months working minimum wage, uh, working five, six, seven hours a week, our son, Nick, at the age of 15, his bank account was greater than half the world's population. Mm. And I'm looking at this boy saying to, in my head, again, not out loud, you didn't do this on your own. Mm. And when, I, when I'm saying that to someone else, do you know who I'm really talking to? Yourself. Yeah. And, and I kind of, that finger went pointing back at me. And that's when I had the, this realization that, my life was handed to me on a silver platter and you still have to work. This doesn't mean you sit back, Brian, because you, you know, you acknowledge that, that Steve, you worked hard. Yes, you do that. But, and I've always been really positive and I think I, and, and grateful acknowledge these things, but it was always trumped by this responsibility uh, card. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the vulnerability and I find this conversation so interesting. Again, this is two white men who have grown up in probably circumstances who are better than most. Let's like, we'll call it for what it is. At the same time, I, I find so many people who grow up privileged in our shoes, who walk through the world with this level of guilt. Like they were handed this like deck of cards and like, they don't know what to do. And, you know, I, I actually kind of find that, um, a bit off-putting because what's interesting for people who maybe were dealt a deck of cards that is more favorable is that they have the opportunity to actually go out and use that deck of cards in a way where they can maybe go have more outsized impact faster to go help the people around them. And I'm not saying I'm, I think of your view as off-putting. I'm, I think of people who maybe sit in, in kind of wallow in that feeling. Because if you if we are given that deck of cards that might be more advantageous, it's our in my opinion our responsibility to go out and like help the collective good. Um, and so my question to you is like when you realize this, when you said my son's bank account is half the about more than half like the population of the world, you know, and you realize that this is a lesson for myself. Like, how did that start to maybe? change your behaviors, change the impact that you thought about having on the world. I mean, you're in a very meaningful space. The, the energy of what you do is spans beyond what you do and goes into other people's lives. I mean, it's meaningful work, but um, I'm just curious, you know, cause I've always, I've always had a hard time with this question, acknowledging privilege, but also understanding it's my, my responsibility to go help others with that privilege. So how, how, how does, how is this, formative one away moment, seminal moment, like start to shape you once you had this kind of eye-opening awakening. You'd think we would have scripted this conversation. It feels like it because it's not scripted. It's just not, but this is the, just so natural, Brian. Um, today, I have a policy that I established back then in, I don't know, 2000. I don't know when it was, 2005, 2004. But I, um, and my policy, how many people have policies in their life? I don't know. Well, here's mine. 
if someone on the street asks me for money, and I, it's not even just on the street, you ask me for money, you're going to get some or all of what I've got in my pocket. You're right. I, I have privilege. You have privilege. I believe everyone has privilege. Mm. It's not the same, though. It's like a deck of cards, like everyone's life. We all have different. And, and I, I, I wanted to test this. And I was working with a homeless shelter in our city. And, you know, they gratitude is one of their virtues that they have, one of their values. And we've been doing a bunch of training around gratitude for their staff and how they use it and how to incorporate it, how to bring it to life in their, in their organization. And I asked, I said, am I so bold to say, I believe everyone has privilege. If you were to ask the people who, the, the residents, the guests, the, the homeless people that, that use your shelters, if you were to ask them they have privilege, what would they say? And without a blink, without hesitation, yes. absolutely, they would say they had privilege. Right? They don't have the same privilege as you or I. And as humans, it's very natural for us to want to compare our privilege. Mm. Like we compare and we assess. And we can feel with privilege that with a king, this sense of, of guilt, why do I have this and someone else does not have it? Uh, or we can think of, you know, use it as for power and control and feel that it's somehow it's a right or, or, and we could receive it with gratitude, right? And that's what I chose to do when I had this realization that my life was handed to me and seeing all the privilege, all the things, the family I grew up in, the time in history, the supports, the coaches, the teachers, all these things, I see it, uh, receive it with gratitude because I see it as a gift. And I believe that when we see things as gifts, we treasure them, we want to care for them, and we want to pass them on to somebody else. And that, you know, gratitude or guilt is a, it does induce pro-social behaviors. When we, when we feel guilty, it causes us to act more pro-socially. It tends to come with a negative emotion, though. You tend to not feel good. With gratitude, it tends to feel better, and it does stimulate pro-social behavior, pro-social action. Mm. Is that helpful, Brian? How do you make sense of that? It's so helpful because, uh, let's just say for people who never maybe, let's just say be in a homeless shelter or be on the side of the street or, yeah, you walking by them, you might not think of them that they have a level of privilege. So the the comparison of you said people are always comparison like comparing. It's like power. Like people, everyone everyone has power. They may not be self aware of it, but like it's something you 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 have. And for people to recognize that privilege, you know, in, in varying degrees, is, is an interesting way of putting it. Um, and so yeah, I I think it's it's colored in really nicely and, and vividly for uh, our listeners here so yeah well well said when, when you were talking um you, you said uh 
with gratitude, right? Like wherever you are on the privilege ladder, right? Being grateful for what you do have encourages pro-social behavior. So what, what does that look like? You know, what, what, what pro-social behaviors are a response to um, gratitude of, you know, around privilege? You know, the, the, and, and for me, gratitude comes to it because the privilege that I have, whatever it is that I have, is undeserved. I didn't do anything to earn it. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and so it is distributed unfairly in our world, privilege, right? Mm-hmm. And, and socially, our societies developed in ways that systemically ensures the unfair distribution of privilege. And so I take my piece of the world the talents and the gifts that I have and I want to use them in service to humanity. And that sounds very lofty, whatever that is, but whatever that means to me, I have um, a, a dream and a belief that gratitude and the, 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 the more deeper understanding and embracing of gratitude in one's life is going to lead to greater solidarity in our world. And what this motivates me to do is to teach this. And and the way I'm doing this is, you know, working with companies and organizations because they have a selfish interest to want to have this in their, in their companies, to have happy people. And that's really just the Trojan horse into the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, last seven or eight months have been on quite a journey. I think gratitude is the first time that uh, that word has meant much of anything to me. Uh, And it's meant a lot to me, actually. Um, But uh, I I can see why, right? Like when you can make it contextualized in people's lives and the work you do, how how it can have such an enormous impact. So I want to go back to, uh, you know, that moment again, your son's bank account, uh, time on the street, it all clicked for you. How would you describe the person you were prior to maybe having that big realization and then maybe the actions and behaviors after you maybe had this awakening that that followed? And what did that maybe lead to that you would have never expected? Yeah, I if I could describe me in one word, it would be maybe two words, the lost searching right? Searching for purpose. And what is it that as a, as a father, as a husband, I felt fulfilled somehow in what I was doing for a vocation, my work, I enjoyed it, but I felt I was, I was lost. I felt like I was in the middle of the ocean. I described it to my coach. I said, Keith, I feel I'm sitting in his in his studio in his office. We're having a one-on-one. I'm bawling my eyes out crying. I feel like I'm in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean in a boat, little rowboat with no oars, no way to steer, and just going wherever I'm going. And he said, and I said, but I know I have a purpose. I just don't know what it is. And he said to me, Steve, at least you know. And I just, 
it was just a, like, he took the weight of the world. He took the pressure off me having to find it out. Like, at least you know that you don't have a purpose yet? At least you know you have a purpose. You might not know what it is. He says, Steve, do you know how many people don't realize that they're here for a reason? Whatever that reason is. And we can always judge and say, oh, well, I'm not as good as Martin Luther King. Or I'm not going to have the impact that Albert... Hmm, Stop comparing. Steve, stop comparing. What is it that you're here for? Yeah. How old were you? Sorry, how how old were you at this time? I'm about 40, 41, 40, yeah, yeah. Oh, that at that that went about probably 38. Wow. So you um just hope these questions are fine. Like uh you lived up until 38. Maybe without that clear anchor for why you were here. Is that fair to say? I thought I knew what I was here for, Brian. Which was what? Like I'm an electrical engineer and I was working in the power company. I, I, I don't know. I, if, if I could have gone back then, I knew what I wanted to do. When I started my first job, I knew I would retire at that company and probably... One day I was thinking I would probably be president, right? And so does that mean I was wrong back then? I don't know. Um, But I went through a period of probably 10 years or seven years of that, I don't know. So that I wasn't in the boat in the Atlantic Ocean for 38 years, five or six years for sure. And it took a while for me to find it after that conversation with Keith too. It still took two or three years. I remember talking to people who would say, Steve, I'm doing exactly what I was put on this earth for. My mouth would water the way you would before you you ate something when you're really hungry, Brian. Wow. I mean, I know we're getting on nice tangents here, which is kind of fun here. would you describe maybe how you were operating in the world? Like you're just moving, mapping through it in a very unconscious way. I mean, to go until you were 38, you were going to be the engineer and then maybe the president. Like, you know, when you reflect on, and I can see why you have so much maybe gratitude towards this experience, you know, and how it's, I don't want to skip to where we're going, but like, do, do you, would you define yourself maybe being just very unconscious to maybe how you were operating and moving through the world maybe until that moment? I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I, th- I think that's a, I could, if I answered that question, I could either answer it, it, it would either sound like I'm being overly, like, very highly aware of how I was at the time, which I'm not sure I, because I, I, I did do a lot with intent and purpose. Um. And I don't want to come across like as if um, I'm perfect because I'm not right. And that I got it all figured out because I'm a work in progress. And I'm on this journey of mastery and trying to understand my place in this world. Uh, I've always been involved in my community. Yeah. The motivation for it. Why did I do Why would, why was I coaching and doing all, some of those things? Maybe it is. Yes. Like just, you know, when you, 
walk, when someone brings a, a, a bouquet of flowers into the room, how do you know if it's beautiful? You just know. So maybe there's some things that we do as humans that just we just do. When we hear a baby coo or cough, we kind of grin or smile. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. And I don't think there's a perfect answer. But you were doing different things, sounds like, even outside of work, that some things were calling you, coaching or community organizing. And the way you were showing up is probably consistent with how you show up with clients today. But maybe yeah, giving it that, like, central message or fuse in which that you can kind of wrap it all together around sounds like that was or i mean giving it a around gratitude that central yeah. message was that all based on that experience and that someone asked you for your money and then your son and that wake up is is was it gratitude that really just said to you this it spoke to you because it was all encompassing like how did gratitude really take center stage for you from that moment does that make sense yeah it, it does I, I i think so so i'm you know once i realized or had this super hyper focused awareness that i felt like my privilege my life everything was a gift i felt grateful in, in a way that i really never had understood gratitude. And maybe maybe it was gratitude went from being in my head to moving mm. to my heart. And so it really does, and gratitude does, it helps us take better perspectives. You know, and in some ways, I, I you know, think about this, you know, I'm, I'm just still noodling on your earlier question, right? Um. I probably was following pre-programmed pathways just that get telegraphed to me by my parents, the oldest of, on my father's side of the family, all those, no one's gone to university, Stephen, you're bright. You'll be the one that goes to university. How am I going to tell mom and dad I'm not going to college, right? And so some of these things that I do are education. You're good at math and these things. And I can see how, my, and I really enjoy the engineering and I, plot, I, I use it in my how I do my work today. And I wonder, you know, our educational system, it even, oh, you're good in this and it channels you to an area. And I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. You know what I mean? So maybe these things that happen without our awareness, um, and they do have significant, they push you in big directions in your life. and. So, yeah, well, it sounds like you've, you've cultivated uh, a much deeper sense of like aliveness and flourishing uh, compared to just liking and enjoying versus loving and like really being with who you are. So, um, I, I mean, I'd be curious though, you know, you talked about the pre-program patterns, uh, another fascinating topic here. Um, like what were, I mean, you know, you, you alluded to some of those about kind of comments your parents made and shrinks you had and kind of how that maybe pushed you one way or the other. But um, as you reflect back, you know, on maybe some of those patterns, um, what maybe, and if you haven't processed some of this stuff, you know, hope, hope it's all good, but like maybe as you look at where you are today and then maybe some of the changes you've made since this awakening moment for you to shift a lot of things, what do you think patterns you're maybe bringing with you 
that you've now let go of? This idea, you know, one of the big things to me, like when I started working as an engineer, when I got hired for the first time, I mean, the only thing I knew was my dad got up, went to work the same place every single day for my entire life. And so that's that was what I knew in terms of work. And, you know, through my discovery process, it's just like, well, that's just for me. And, you know, I left that place of employment and then I started my work that I do today. And I said earlier that just want to put it in service to humanity. Those were not my original words. Um, in the Keith, the guy whose office I was in crying, telling him I was in the boat early while I was coaching with him, he said, Steve, you might want to, you might want to read the seven spiritual laws of success by Deepak Chopra. And in it somewhere, uh, I'll paraphrase. He says, um, take your gifts, your talents, the things that you love doing, and put them in service to humanity. Same thing with the, the flowers coming in. You just know. I just I trusted that. And so my kids, as they got aged for going to college, and I didn't encourage them, go pursue the most, the thing that's going to get you the highest dollars. Go, I did not do any of that. I st- still am talking to my, my grown children because uh, they're 30 and 31. Take what you love doing and put it in service to the world. Mm. The, the money, these other things, the, don't make that your, 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 your prime motive. Um, put, put it in service to the world and you'll be taken care of. Mm. Chills. I mean, what a great gift as a, as a father to give your kids, right? Um, and not push them in. Like you're, it's like parenting with letting the kids become who they're meant to be versus steering them for them to resent you later. Uh, how, I mean, how is your relationship with your kids? I mean, sounds it's, it's good. And I'm and I'm not the perfect father because I still would, you know, I still get to the not, place where I'm judging, I'm telling them what to do. And and it doesn't mean as a parent, like that I would never say, have you thought about where you might work and, and do something with this? Yes, I very practical too, but let's hold this principle. Right. 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 You know, when my daughter wanted to to get into uh, be a coach in a, a gym and get her certification to do that. And I could tell whenever she talked about it, it lit her up. It can scare, especially over these last two years with gyms be- here, gyms being closed, half all these other things. It has had an impact on her ability to work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But right. It's like going to those signals that light you up versus just doing because of what is, I think that's, that's really uh, special. So um, thanks for, thanks for getting in the, the deeds, details of it all with me. So the spiritual seven spiritual laws, go and use your gifts in the service of others. Um, you have seems like done a total 180 in the last, let's say three to five years and a lot of shifts, you know, um, wh- how would you say you're using your gifts right now in the service of others? 
in all aspects of your life. And yes, let's definitely share what you're up to, but what does that look like for you today, day in and day out? Is just really participating and hosting conversations that stimulate teaching and learning and growth around this idea of gratitude. And I, you know, I found in my engineering career, when I would come in and do safety training and do these things, I'd walk out of these sessions. I had so much energy at the end of the day. It was the best part of my job. And, you know, as you look back, you realize that's one of your gifts, Steve. And so, and I'll use the word teaching, although it's not, it's teaching, but right. That is one of my gifts. And when I get to spend days using that gift and, and, and days, and, and, you know, we were talking before the, uh, before a conversation about creativity and building and doing those things. When I get to spend days like that, I feel like I'm living more on purpose and I'm more going directly where I want to go versus, and because every day isn't a direct like this. Some mm -hmm. days we're going like this and some days it feels like, you know, we're moving sideways completely. So the days that I get to use my gifts, I call them game days. Mm. More like this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I hope this hour is, a, is part of a game day feeling for you. It is. Well, one, it's neat to me that you have wrapped, uh, not wrapped, that gratitude has become the thread line maybe through a lot of the areas of your life and work that you've been able to make use that as, and to help others make an impact. And before we maybe dive into that a little bit, you said something earlier that really struck a nerve about um, gratitude from, from like your head to gratitude in your heart. I'm going to share a little story, not to take the stage, but to like turn the table. I've been working with this guy at, um, at nights and then I send him, we send each other back a journal. He's like 54 and he, you know, he, um, part of the, the exercise is writing the gratitudes. Um, and then there's a bunch of other stuff on top of it, but um, not to spare you some details. And I never forget, I think it was like September we've been doing it now almost seven months and he said you're just writing gratitude from your head he's like you're not feeling the gratitude from your heart and that it finally started to click but it took a while for it to click and now it was like okay i i like to feel it so my question to you is in your perspective, in your views, what does it take from someone to say, yeah, I'm grateful to, oh no, I'm grateful. And like really feel that. What, what, how does that transition happen? For some things, it can happen just like that. If, we're, if, if, if you're saying I'm feeling grateful and you're really not feeling it, I encourage people to ask a couple questions to be able to unearth it. Like just the same way you are asking questions and digging and trying to get a little deeper with things, right? And, and the questions you can ask yourself are, who sacrificed here in this situation, whatever it is, who sacrificed? And I use the term sacrifice. Who, do, who, who was the benefactor here? Who, if you can name them or whatever. What was their, and, and then ask yourself, what might have been their motivations? 
for doing this. And you can, you can do this with yourself. For those that have children, it's a great question to ask children because as a child and even as a grown-up, we can think we're the center of the universe and everything happens for us. I don't like this sweater grandma gave me. Ah, oh, that's too bad, Stevie. Why do you think grandma gave you that sweater? I asked my grandson that, you know, these similar questions. Because they love me. Yeah. Right? So when we can, you know, how do you get deeper to take it from your head to your heart? That happens, I think, when we make connections with other human beings. Who are, who are the people that were involved in this? What was their motivation for this? And, and it might have been like my totally undeserved some of the things. And then you can start beginning taking a different perspective. And it does require thinking. But sometimes it just automatically goes right to the heart. I like that. It's different for everyone, you know? Yeah, it is. And what I loved about what you said was if you can appreciate the variables or forces at play around that experience moment interaction, you can maybe have the awareness and, and maybe to develop a deeper sense of gratitude and like looking at the different variables in perspectives that made that moment possible, where we might look at something as singular versus saying, no, it took X, Y, Z, ABC for this to happen the way it did. And so that I should be more grateful. You know, Brian, to use some of your language, it, it, it can take processing. Like I have had people who have been uh, on the street addicted to hard drugs. I've had people who've uh, lost their companies in bankruptcies, have had uh, spouses die, have got cancer have had all these tragic moments and them in telling me about the reason I know that is because as part of the exercise they give me a laundry list of what they're grateful for in that situation and it, and sometimes it doesn't it takes time for them to be able to find that gratitude and process it and for many of them the things that come up are the people around them and how that experience has helped them become the human being that they are today and help them understand more about themselves, about the human being that they are and were to be able to move themselves through that. And I am humbled by some of the stories that I've heard. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to share a few things offline with you. Um, I think you'd find fascinating, but uh, I, I can, I, when you're talking, I'm like, you're making me reflect on a few things and I'm like, yeah, this makes so much sense. And it's a very powerful uh, way to, to go through the world. Um, but I think you have to be ready for it or any place to process um, with a gratitude perspective or mindset. So um, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm, feeling everything you're saying. Um, so Steve, uh, let's dig into maybe a little of your work with organizations as kind of time comes, you know, as we have a bit of time left, you get to go into organizations and help individuals with this. Uh, what does that look like? You have a product, we're talking about product and creativity and things of that sorts. I mean, 
how does this go from one person to a hundred to, I mean, how, like, how do you bring this to organizations? Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll just a couple of things that you said, just you, you moved me to want to say a couple other things and, and I, I'm going to get to your question because I think it'll bridge to it, but I hope for you listening, you're not hearing me say you should be grateful. I hope you're not hearing me say that because I don't want to say, Brian, you should be great. I'm not saying that. I am saying, Steve, I am grateful. And I encourage people, if you can see your life as a gift, gratitude is going to come easier to you. If you can't see your life as a gift, that's okay. What part of your life do you see as a gift? <laughs> Maybe it's your dog. Maybe it's the kid down the street or a neighbor or your son or your spouse or whatever, or a hobby, whatever it is, start there. And that's what I do in organizations, Brian. I, I just offer them, um, you know, a space where they can cultivate a conversation, a culture, and you could say training around gratitude. And it's really just like stepping back to be able to take a new perspective on a situation that you're living with day in, day out. So, and give, so give them a common language and exposure to it and, in, and do it in a safe space and then support them to develop some simple things that they can work into their organization the same way that they do safety or quality to make it a way of how they operate. You were talking about maybe giving people the, a new way to look at things. Uh, maybe it's the company has to let someone go or, you know, there was a major division that was lost because of X reasons that like, you know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure personal, but um, so I think to what you're saying, yes, it makes sense where like gratitude can, uh, man, we're having some issues here. We're good. Um, this is, this is live, buddy. You know what? That's what I love about this. It's just a natural podcast. There's a car in the back. I, I'm not, we're not going to edit it and make oh, it. My fun. train of thought. <laughs> so, so um, I, I know where we are. So, so I get how gratitude can come into the workplace and everything you just said from a tangible level, right? You go into maybe a leadership team or you go into work with a division on X, you know, what are you doing to have them really not only learn it or develop and understand, but then go apply it and then see the transferability. Dude, how does that work? How does it do? Um, you, you're right. Really good question. Cause that's a good observation. You can't just tell people, okay, gratitude does this and this, and people are 50% more productive and that, 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 we need everyone to, to get it for themselves where they are. And how I do, I tell stories. I tell my own story of my own discovery, right? Those, the, the street corner and the, uh, the coffee shop where my son worked, those are two stories that I want to share as part of that to help people find it for themselves. And like when, when you watch a movie or when everything, we see ourselves in these movies and, and try to own them for ourselves. And, um, and then the engineer comes out to me, in, in me. So we, we do two things. So we've got to address both parts of our brain and our heart. 
uh, and engage that to get people to understand it, experience it. And, and then it's like, okay, now what I wanted to share with you are two simple things that you can do every single day to help keep your brain in this place. I want you to make a list, record what you're grateful for. And second thing I want you to do, consume other people's gratitudes, read or listen to what other people are grateful for. This thing, it's a powerful, these two, and I say, make that um, your habitual ritual. And, and then I'm gonna help work with the, the leadership to help them integrate those habits into how they operate. And it, does, and it doesn't feel like, okay, now we're doing this habit number one and habit number two. No, we're just gonna start meetings by going around the room and just saying one, one thing we're grateful for or one thing we're grateful for about someone on the team and then like handing a baton around, right? Yeah, yeah. It's that shared experience, right? And I think you're right. It's not a uh, individual act. It's something that it's cultivated through the human experience of two coming together. Um, I think it's beautiful and I validating, not that you need the validation, I'm validating the power behind it. So cool. So my, here's my last question for you. Um, and then we want to tell people where to find you, work with you, all the things for you, um, beyond writing your gratitudes, beyond, uh, sharing, maybe then we'll hear a gratitude partner or your wife or whoever that might be. How would you say you move through the world day in and day out with a gratitude mindset? What does that look like for you? Most days, I'm 90, I'm going to say 95% of the time or more in a positive emotional state, even when crap's happening. And last October, I, I probably would have been 80% maybe 60 to 70 to 80%. People would describe me as very positive. Last October, I ran a little challenge uh, to help our community spend less time in negative thinking. And what I started doing, whenever I catch myself with negative thoughts about anything, I just... I tap myself on the chest. I don't know if you do anything like that. These just, it's, I think they call it an anchor. Mm. Physical motion with some sound. Mm. And what it, it's like, it's like doing control all delete or whatever and resetting, you reset your computer. And it literally is like a shake by, it's like you're shaking your brain and the negative thinking stops just like that. Because I say, when I do this, stop the negative thinking. Ask yourself, Steve, what, what are you grateful for? And what I notice, Brian, I don't have as much negative thinking. And this is, I think, more important. I catch myself more quickly because that's the hardest thing when you go into negative thinking is to be aware of it, to catch yourself. Like back to some of your earlier questions, Steve, well, how would you describe your awareness and all those things? Man, I have a friend of mine who says, ignorance low self-awareness it was awesome (laughs) right high self-awareness brings with it oh my goodness i'm aware how i'm showing up in the world i've got to take some accountability for it so i don't i don't know if that answers your question but gratitude helps me show up more often not all like i'm not perfect right you know that 
more often as the person I want to become that I'm becoming. Yeah. Mm. So good. Um, so the key is in a negative state, we're just going to tap the heck out of ourselves. And I mean, I'm having fun here, but you're right. Like what, like give yourself that positive reset. I, I think there's different behaviors that will work for different people and to have that self-awareness. You are in a negative mindset. Hey, and there is something I can actually do about that. So I don't go further in a hole. I mean, easier said than done, but right. You need to figure out what works for you. And you have found gratitude in different behaviors to help you and, I think, and others. Um, and in a really beautiful way. Last thing I'll say, and then um, we'll close out is you said something where you went from ignorant or your friend, like ignorant and not aware to um, self-aware and like, you know, and you're right. I think it's painful. It's painful on either side. And as someone who said to me this year, it's like, choose your pain. There's pain either way. And I think that's so brilliant in the sense that, yeah, it's painful now because you have like aware of the discomforts, but the other way, like it was painful because like you're clueless and yeah, it might be like, that's another way to go through the world. But like, why don't you rather, anyways, very stimulating chat. This was wonderful. Uh, Steve, where can people find you, get to know you, um, reach out? Well, uh, gratitude at work.ca. That's the easiest place. Go to my website and uh, you'll, you'll see a picture of me, my wife, my grandson, if you go digging. And, and if, you, if you talk to my wife and you ask her about the tap in the chest, uh, we were, as I was early on doing this, I told she knows what I'm doing with it, right? And uh, one day we're driving in the car and she starts tapping my chest. And what I realized, my negative thinking was coming out my mouth. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Well, she seems Ryan, to- thank thanks so much. Um, you are you ask awesome questions, and you and what you're doing, you are an amazing human being. So thank you very much. Oh well, uh, it t- takes a good person on the other end to uh, respond well and make a great show. So thanks for being amazing yourself, and uh, we'll see you uh, in Nova Scotia sometime. Yeah, look forward to it. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, I hope you leave a review on the platform of your choice and share it with a friend who you think would find it valuable. If you'd like to receive our written newsletter and thought leadership, head on over to bwmissions.com backslash newsletter and subscribe. See you on the next show.